are so in love with Jesus. I mean, I call that a win, win, win. Amen. Amen. And so we just bless them tonight. We just thank you, Father, for garrisoning round about them and filling them up with everything good. They're attending camp meeting back at Ramah. And so we just, we just, we just send our blessing to them. Amen and amen. amen. Well, tonight I have a title for our message that's a little unique. It's called, This Is It. This is it. The phrase, this is it, is most often used when agreeing with somebody about the most important aspect of a subject. And so I've titled the message, this is it, because this is it. The most important thing that you can know about God. And do you know what that is? The most important thing that you can know about God is that God is love. God is love. You know, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, we know that um, Brother Keith Hershey just ministered to us in such a powerful way. But if you look down to verse 16, it actually says, God is love. And you know, I just love the word of God because the word of God is like a love letter from God to us. The word of God reveals God. It reveals his heart, his character, his actions, his thoughts, which are so much higher than our thoughts. His ways of doing things which are so beyond our ways of doing things. You know, two weeks ago, we had vacation Bible school. And oh, what a delight it was. I want you to get this tonight, that we were able to minister to the children about several different things. But one of those things is that God loves them. We first taught the first day, On how God made them. And he made them so unique and so special. And we had Reverend Al come. And he talked to them, you know, in his uniform. And he talked to them about how they are so unique. And I asked him to to, um, teach on the fingerprint. And so he did. And one thing that he taught on that I didn't realize is that All your fingerprints are different. I'm sure you all knew that, but I didn't realize that they were all different and all unique. Can you imagine there's 7.5 billion people? That's the population of the earth. And out of 7.5 billion people that are living, there's not two fingerprints alike. That's how precious And valuable, God sees you. That is magnificent. That is our magnificent God that could only do that. Amen? Amen. And you know, you have different eye patterns and you have different voice patterns. You're just a unique, special person that God has made you. So that was the first day. God made you. 
They need to know that God made them. Amen? They didn't evolve from some ape. God made them. And God made them because God loves them. If you know that God loves you, that'll change your whole perspective of how you see things. We then talked about the next day, how God was with them. It's important to know God's with you. And we told the story of Joshua and the spies and the battle of Jericho. That is such a powerful story. It's a story that took place in history. Do you know that they they found, actually, they found Jericho. They know where Jericho is. They excavated it. That's correct. They found the dimensions. They found out that there was more than one wall. There was a retaining wall outside the city, and then there was another wall that was built. The retaining wall itself was like 15 feet high. But the wall of the city at the highest points was 46 feet high. So when Israel came to march around that city to take the city because God told them that he was with them and that they could take it, they looked up and they saw that 46 high wall. Have you ever seen walls in your life? Did they seem like they were so much bigger than you that it was absolutely impossible to get over that wall? I'm sure they felt that way, but you know what? They trusted God. And so they went into the city and God prepared somebody there. Do you all know what her name was? Rahab. That's right. Rahab was a prostitute. Now, of all the people in the city, who is it that God moves upon? The least likely woman. But one thing I know is that when you come to a place where you need the mercy of God, and you realize it, that mercy, that love extended to you, that compassion means so much that you're willing to go out of your way to put your own life at risk. And so the spies came into the city to spy out the land. And as they did, here was Rahab. And of course, we know that the story goes that Rahab hid the spies because the king's men were looking for him. And so she hid him in her roof and they came to her house and they said, we heard that these men are here. And she said, oh no, they went that away. And she pointed the opposite direction. And so there the king's men took off. And because she risked her own life, God said, guess what? I'm going to spare yours. And not only am I going to spare your life, I'm going to spare all of those that are with you. I would say that's called household salvation. Amen. Amen. And so she was told to put a scarlet thread out of the window. Do you remember? And as she hung that scarlet thread out of the window, when they came to attack the city 
and destroy the city and everything that was in it, there was that scarlet thread. Well, you know, the excavators found Rahab's house. Yeah, they did. It was on the north side of the city. And on the north side of the city, it was just a short distance actually from the wilderness where the spies could go from that house and hide out there. And as they excavated that city, they could see, you know, back then the walls weren't just like a wall here. People lived. They said Rahab lived in the wall. Her house was up into the wall. Well, what they found is everything around that particular house was destroyed, leveled. There was nothing but ash. What the Bible says is that, you know, the walls fail, but actually uh, the, the uh, Hebrew says it, the walls came beneath. They crushed, they collapsed. Maybe there was an earthquake. I'm not exactly sure how God did it. But we know that they walked around those walls for six days, one time. And then on the seventh day, they walked seven times. And then they did something. They gave a what? A shout. They gave a shout of victory. And there's something about a shout. You can see it again and again and again. There's something about your shout. When you use your voice and you raise it and you declare it, I'm telling you what. The supernatural power of God comes on the scene to do for you what you can't do for yourself the supernatural power of god like that which made the walls fall because they blew the horn the shofar and they shouted does that make sense to your head no but that's what god told them to do and they were faithful to do it and as they followed god they received what God told them that they were going to get. They captured the city. And so we know Rahab was spared. Those with her were spared. And it's all because God was with them. So the kids found out God made them. That God loves them. And that God was with them. God is with you. The other thing that we taught on was that God was for you. God is for you. And we use the example there of Gideon, the mighty man of valor, amen, who was minding his own business. And, you know, the Israelites were being attacked and they were being attacked by the enemy and they were coming in, destroying their crops. And in destroying their crops, they, des- they destroyed their substance. You can't live without crops. And so an angel appeared before Gideon when he was in the threshing floor. And the angel said, oh, mighty man of valor. And he's looking around like, wait a minute, I'm hiding down here in this, this, this cellar place, thrashing the wheat. You're calling me a mighty man? What is God calling you? He's calling you a mighty woman. He's calling you a mighty man, Charles. He's calling you a mighty one. Even when you don't feel like it. Even when it doesn't look like it. 
God calls you a mighty one. Amen. And so here was Gideon minding his own business. And God said, I want you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to go do work for me. And he says, well, I don't understand. I don't understand. It seems as though you departed from us. That the God of, of our fathers has departed because look all that's happening. And God says, hey, I'm sending you. I'm sending you to do something about it. And that's the day and the age that we're living in. God's sending us to do something about what's going on out there in the streets. Amen. God's sending us to do something for, you know, the lost and dying world. To show up with the love of God. And to show out with the love of God. And to demonstrate it through your life. And so Gideon... You know, God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you, first of all, I want you to go in and I want you to destroy the, the idols to Baal that they've set up. And so he sent them in to destroy idols. And, you know, like back in the day, they probably had, you know, statues of those idols and they worshiped them and things like that. But did you know that we have idols today? They just maybe look different. And that's what we kind of talk to the kids about. Who could tell me what an idol would be present day? The kids came up with some good stuff, I'm telling you. Raise your hand and, and I'll, I'll get to you. There you go, Mona. Yes. Well, you know, sports, let's just write that on there. You need to stand up, sweetheart. And you need to write sports on there. And you need to come plan it over here. Somebody else. Somebody else. Yes. Your work can be an idol. Yes. Yes, that is so true. Yes. TV. The kids said social media. (laughs) These are children and they said social media. Too much YouTubing. (laughs) Too much uh, other stuff that they do. Yes. That's it. Anything. Go ahead and write these down. Anything that you put before God. Something else. How about regret? I was thinking about that as we were standing there in worship. Regret can really be an idol if you let it be. Like you can regret and you can just worship that regret. That's true, yeah. Or that would be past tense, right? Or in the future, it would be more like fear, anxiety, worry. That could be something you could worship. If you give it more place than you give God's word, it's an idol. Anybody else? Yes. Money. Money. Show me the money. Yes. Okay, so can you bring those over here, Sia? Or Charles, why don't you help me out because she has a dress on. And we're going to do what we did. That's okay. All you're going to do is just set them down here. We're going to do what we did with the kids. When Gideon went in to destroy the idols, he went in. And I'll tell you what, it made the enemy mad. They wanted to come after him. They wanted to kill him. They went to his father's house. Just line them up here, here. They went to the fa- his father's house. He says, send your son out. <laughs> he, he's a goner. And so here we have these idols that we've been talking about. We have fear. We have regret. We have money. We have work. We have uh, TV, social media, anything you put before God. Okay, Reuben, come on up. Here's what we had the kids do. We had the kids do something with those idols. Where are those idols supposed to be? Under your feet. Charles, go ahead and take that one out. 
Can I take it yeah, out? Yeah, take it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what one is that one? Regret. Regret. Oh, take yeah. out regret. Yeah. yeah. Woo! This one here. What is that? Anything? anything 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 you put before god take it out take yeah. yeah go ahead take them both out there you go go ahead charles take a few more out sports oh no yeah. work too much work yeah Fear, fear, anxiety, and worry about the future. Thank you so much. Y'all may have a seat. You can actually leave it there because it, it's, a, it's a sign to us that those things are under our feet if we put them under our feet and we not let them rule and reign in our lives. I mean, the enemy will have a field day with your mind if you allow it. And you have to take those thoughts that don't line up with God's word. And you've got to do exactly this. You've got to put them under your feet. Amen. Amen. So the kids found out God made them. God loves them. God is with them. God is for them. And on the last day, God has a good plan for their life. How powerful is that to teach that to children? Will that not change and impact their life if they know that? Do you know how blessed we are to be sitting in a church that preaches that God is a good God, that God is love, that God cares about you, he's with you, he's for you, and he has a good plan for your life? Amen. Amen. Parents, take opportunities to point things, things, things out to your children. We called them during VBS God sightings. God sightings. So where do you see God? Where do you see him working? Well, you can see him just in... Um, You go to the mountains and you can see the majesty of God. You go to the ocean. You can see the majesty of God. When you go to the beach, talk about how there's more stars in the heavens than there are grains of sand in the earth because God made a magnificent universe. When you see people demonstrating acts of kindness and mercy and goodness... Point it out. You know what? That's God working through that person. Mm -hmm. Did you see how much favor we had right there when we were at the checkout stand? That's nothing but God's favor. So work that in the heart of your children. Don't miss the opportunity. Amen? Glory to God. God is looking to show up. And those are great opportunities that they can experience the love of God. I think, I know I've shared with this with you before, but it came to my heart again as I was preparing um, to share this with you tonight. 
And it was, do you remember I told you about the first time I really saw, physically saw, tangibly saw the love of God for God through a person? And the person, I I had attended this church. It was a spirit-filled church, and I had not been to one before. And she was worshiping God in the corner. And she was over there worshiping God, oh, with all of her heart and her soul and her mind and her strength. And you could just see it upon her. You could tangibly see the relationship that she had. And I longed for it. Because I really couldn't say that I loved God. You know, Reverend Keith talked about that. But when you find out that he loves you and you find out his goodness, oh, that changes your perspective. We love him because why? He first loved us. And so I saw that young lady standing there, worshiping God, loving him, and I just craved it. And I said, Lord, I want that. Now, this side of heaven... That young lady will never, ever know what her expression of love to the Father did for my heart. And sometimes you will never, ever know this side of heaven, what your expression of love, however you express it, will do for people this side of heaven as they watch and they observe the love of God flowing through you. You know, Reverend Keith so beautifully taught, again, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. And, and it says this, this is love. Not that we love him, not that we love God, but that God loved us. And I've continued to meditate upon that. I've digested it. I've applied it this week. You know, you have opportunity every day to apply the fact that God loves you to situations. <laughs> Glory to God. And you know what it does? It works something in you. It works peace. It works joy. It works patience. It works self-control. Self-control is so powerful in your life. Do you know so many people have problems with anger? And it's that fight or flight syndrome. That when something comes up that pushes your button, that tendency to fight or to flight comes in. Amen? And so you have to work to change that. You have to allow God's love to come into your heart so that you can experience in a different emotion. And you know what? That takes time. It takes effort. But it will pay you rich dividends. I want to read to you a little story. This story here is about a young man. A young man who was headed off to college after graduation. And it says, For many months he had admired a beautiful sports car in a dealer's showroom. And knowing his father could well afford it, he told him that was all he wanted. 
As graduation day approached, the young man awaited signs that his father had purchased the car, purchased the car for him. Finally, on the morning of his graduation, his father called him into a private study. His father told him how proud he was of him. He, he was such a fine son. And he told him how much he loved him. And that he handed his son a beautifully wrapped gift box. Curious and somewhat disappointed, the young man opened the box and found a lovely leather-bound Bible with a young man's name embossed in gold. Well, what do you think happened? He got angry. And what triggered? Fight or flight. And so he took off. He said to his father, with all the money you have, you give me a Bible? And he stormed out of the house. Many years passed and the young man was very successful in business. He had a beautiful home, a wonderful family, but realized his father was very old and thought perhaps he should go to him. He had not seen him since that graduation day. Before he could make arrangements, he received a telegram telling him his father had passed away and willed all of his possessions to his son. He needed to come home immediately to take care of things. When he arrived at his father's house, sudden sadness and regret filled his heart. He began to search through his father's important papers and saw the still gift wrapped Bible just as he had left it years ago. With tears, he opened the Bible and began to turn the pages. His father had carefully underlined a verse, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11. And if ye, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father, which is in heaven, Give to those who do what? Ask him. And as he read the words, a car key dropped from the back of the Bible. It had a a tag on it with the dealer's name. The same dealer who had the sports car he had desired. On the tag was the date of his graduation and the words paid in full. How many times do we miss God's blessings because we can't see past our own desires or emotions? For him, it was a sports car. And for us, it could be so many other things. It could be a word spoken in due season that will give your heart peace, that will give your soul joy, that will encourage you. Amen? When we look through the lens of love, we just see everything differently. Have you ever put on a pair of Polaroid sunglasses? It's pretty cool. You see things differently. Amen? So we've got to make sure we're looking through the lens of God's love. Because when you do, you're going to receive hope. And it's a supernatural hope. You know, Abraham, who against all natural hope, believed in what? A supernatural hope. 
How many of you need supernatural hope? Can I raise both my hands? Amen. Because our hope falls short. And without hope, you don't have anything to aim your faith at. Hope is your blueprint. Hope is like the basketball hoop. Where you take your ball, which is your faith. Faith in what you're believing for. And you aim it towards the basket. And that's what brings to pass those things that you desire to see. And more importantly, the things that God has placed in your heart. That you know sometimes you've got to water for years. Sometimes you got to do all that you can do to stand. And you do what? You stand there for. Sometimes you need to just glory to God, trust in his love, because you can't see anything else. Is his love trustworthy? Yes, it is. Will God's love ever fail? No, it won't. It will produce. So when you look through God's lens of love, you're going to see hope. You're going to see joy. You're going to see patience. Patience that has a grace to it. Okay. It's not like you're just standing by the corner and you're just being patient waiting for, um, you know, your ride. No. It's like you're patiently, expectantly standing. Anticipating good coming your way. Amen. Amen. There's a grace to stand in patience when you know God's love. A grace that will sustain you, uphold you, and see you through. A grace that you'll find rest in. Because your soul gets weary when you have to be patient. And if you learn how to stand in patience it's the power twin to faith and faith and patience working together you will receive the promise the word doesn't say you might receive it the word says you shall receive and as you're standing in that patience and you're experiencing that grace and you have that rest guess what you don't have You don't have fear. Because perfect love does what? It casts out fear. It removes anxiety. It takes care of worry. Perfect love does that. Because you know that you know that you know that you can rely on the love of God. And the love of God is going to bring you through. It'll bring you through every time. Amen. Fear has torment. And the effect of fear produces feelings of the loss of patience or the loss of joy, the loss of peace, the loss of gentleness. When people get impatient because of fear, what do they begin to do? They begin to get pretty grouchy. They begin to get frustrated. 
And they usually take it out on the person that's around them. Amen. And so is that, is that God's way? Is that love's way? Then you've got to learn some things. You've got to learn how to be patient and you've got to practice it. You've got to practice it wherever you go. I practice it when I let people in, you know, in traffic that don't deserve to get let in. I practice it when they don't say thank you because you went out of your way to let them in and you missed the green light and they made it. I practice it and just bless them and allow the love of God to do a work in me. And that takes a process of time for God to do a work in you. So you've got to practice patience. There's other ways. Whatever it is that um, kind of rubs you the wrong way. Practice patience in it. Start off small and then go to the next level and watch how, you know, in six months you'll turn around and you'll go, Wow, that used to have a stronghold on me, but that doesn't have a stronghold on me anymore. You know, if it's fear and worry, there's a lot of that. You know, people are frustrated with each other. If, um, if the world needs a message, if the United States needs a message right now, it needs a message on the love of God. Because do you know that you can disagree with somebody and, and just still be uh, one that walks in love towards another? You can agree to disagree. You don't have to agree with everything. But you have to have the spirit of agreement and the spirit of unity. And so you have to practice those things. So that means you're going to have to turn off some other things, right? Because some other things that are talking to you, preaching at you, stirring up some stuff on the inside of you, it's not going to produce anything good. And it's certainly not going to help your faith because... Faith works by what? Love. There you have it. So we got to practice walking in love. We got to practice patience. We got to practice peace. Now, as we get ready to close, I wanted to take a look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 20. We're just going to take a look at a couple different translations here. But in the King James, it says this. And this is a prayer, you know, Paul is praying for the church of Ephesus. And he says this, for this cause or this what? This reason, I bow my knees unto our father of of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family, that means the family that's in heaven. Gino's up there. He's part of that family, Rose. And the family in earth, Amen. The whole family that is named. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with all might by his what? His spirit. You're not doing this alone. You'll begin to experience the love of God bubbling up on you. And you'll just, oh, I just love. Because he's in you. And greater is he that's in you. Than he that's in the world. Greater is the love of God that is in you than the frustration and anger and fear and hatred that's in the world. Let it arise. Verse 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, 
that you being rooted and grounded in this love, you may be able to do something. You may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. Do you see there's dimension to God's love? Just when you think that you've seen it all, he takes you to another deep place or broad place. In Psalms 103, God's love says this. God loves us so much he took our transgressions and he cast them as far as the east is to the west. That's infinity, right? That's God's love. It's never ending. It has dimension and depth to it. It has height. It has width. And it says when you know this love, you can comprehend and you can know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. It's more than what you know up here. That you might be filled with all the what? The fullness of God. Now, and to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to what? The power of God, the love of God that works in you. In the Amplified, it says that in verse 19, that you may really come to know, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves, the love of Christ. Now, let me tell you, it's not something that you can intellectually know. It's something that you must experience. So if you are not experiencing God's love on a daily basis, ask him to show you his love for you on a daily basis. Because why? Because that goes back to chapter 4, verse 10 of 1 John. It's not that we love him, but it's that he loves us. And when you know that you are loved and that you are beloved, you know your needs are going to be met. You know God's got your back. He's going to take care of that loved one. He's going to intervene into that situation that's impossible. Hallelujah. Isn't that right, Sia? Sia's been walking out an adventure of faith, just trusting, just trusting in the love of God. And you've learned to do some things differently. We were driving home the other night and Sia actually just got moved into another dorm up at um, Cal State uh, East Bay. Because she's an international student from West Africa. She's from Sierra Leone. And she's learning so much that God is teaching her about meeting her needs. And so we were driving and I went to turn to where we normally turn. And she goes, oh, no, no, wait, wait, wait. We got to go down. We got to go down. I said, oh, yeah, that's right. I have a habit of turning here. But you don't live there anymore. Remember that message? You don't live there anymore. There's places that you have habits formed. 
that your flesh wants to turn in that way. But you know what? You don't live there anymore. If you go there, you're going to end up at the wrong place. Somebody else is living there. So he said, okay, let's go. And just trusting God for, for, for um, provision to live. When you're an international student, may I share that? Yeah, you have a, a student visa. That means you cannot work off-site of the campus. So you believe God. And so in believing God and in green and contending, she just got a position on campus as an RA, which covers her housing and helps with some of the tuition. And she is going to be an anointed one. She's going to be a great one because she cares about people and she has the love of God that is expressed through her. Do you see how many people that come to church with us? She gathers them. Students from Germany, students from France, students from London, students from um, Japan. And today she had a supernatural divine uh, connection with a young lady who is a Christian who is from Vietnam. So I'm telling you, glory to God, what an adventure. I see you. Glory to God. She had another unexpected thing that happened today. I won't go into that now, but I'm telling you, it's the exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. It's the experience of God's love coming to you, Sia. She's experiencing God's goodness and God's provision and God's love for her. Which far surpasses anything that we know in our mind. Amen. In the voice translation, I want to read it to you. Verse 14 says, It is for this reason that I bow my knees before the Father, after whom all families in heaven above and on the earth below receive their names. And I pray, Father, out of your honorable and glorious riches, strengthen your people, fill their souls with the power of your spirit, So that through faith, the anointed one will reside in their hearts. May love be the rich soil where their lives take root. May it be the bedrock where their lives are founded. So that together with all your people, they may have the will and the power to understand that the love of the anointed is infinitely long Wide, high, and deep, surpassing everything anyone previously experienced. God, may your fullness flood through their entire beings, rooted and grounded in this love. That's what we're talking about tonight. Experiencing his love. Knowing that you know, that you know, that you know that you know that God loves me.